Ezekiel was told by the angel in chapter 40 in this vision to look with your eyes and hear with your ears and, listen to this, set your heart on all that I'm going to show you. So how many know this morning that this seeing and hearing doesn't mean just seeing with our natural eyes and hearing with our natural ears, right? Notice it says to set your heart. See, we need to be able to see with the eyes of our heart and hear with the hearing of our heart. Doubt and unbelief can get stuck right here in our minds. Do you agree? There are mind issues. We need to depend more on the eyes and ears of our heart. The Lord wants to speak into our heart. You know that experience. You know what happens when the Lord speaks into your heart, right? We have to get things from here, our mind, down into our heart, into our very soul. When this happens, guess what? We have the mind of Christ. So let's go on this morning. In Ezekiel chapter 47, we see yet another measuring. And again, Ezekiel is in a vision. He's taken by his guide back to the door of the temple of the Lord. And lo and behold, water is flowing from under the threshold of the temple, also from the south side and from the east side. It's really flowing. And the man, the guide again, has a measuring line in his hand. And he begins to measure the water. He measures water that is ankle deep. He keeps on measuring, and there's water that is now knee-deep. He keeps on measuring, and now it's reaching the hips. Finally, he measures again, and this time it was a river that had reached a depth, a place that Ezekiel says he could not pass through, because now the river could not be crossed by simply wading through it. Let's just examine these three different depths today. First, what is the significance of these different measures as far as we, the church, is concerned? I think we would all have to agree that until we choose to swim in the river, the Holy Spirit cannot have full sway in our lives. See, we can step in gingerly and dip our toes in and say, oh, that's nice. Who knows? We may even venture to go ankle or knee deep. And maybe, if we are bold enough, even go up to our hips. However, one thing that is evident here in these measured waters is depending on how deep we are willing to go into the river, it's possible that our feet are still planted firmly on the riverbed. Do you know what I'm saying? Guess what? If that is the case, we are controlling the river, not the river controlling us. Maybe I'm more comfortable with my feet on, planted firmly on terra firma. In my mind, that is safer. And what's even more important to me is that I am in control. How much of the river's flow, flow do I want? Because after all, I need to be always in control. Control. Let me say that this is one of the big areas that the Holy Spirit is measuring in the church at this moment. Control has a many-sided aspect to it. Not only do we want to stay in control over ourselves, but very often we try to control others around us. Maybe we are unaware of this, but controlling people have a strong need to control others around them. And know this, the stronghold of control, and it is a stronghold, 
is embedded in fear. Fear to take my feet off that riverbed. No, 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 I'm in control. It's fear. I don't have time to go into this whole syndrome uh, today, but it does need to be pointed out. Enough to say this, that this dominating spirit of control will, if not recognized and dealt with, affect every area of a person's life. And quite simply, it just needs to go. It needs to depart. May I encourage everyone this morning, myself included, it's time to take our feet off the riverbed and instead give in to the Holy Spirit's wonderful flow and let the river of life take us where he wants us to go in him. Amen. Come on, let's say amen. There may be some here this morning who are even sensing the Holy Spirit's nudge right now. Don't worry, it's a gentle nudge full of love, full of grace and mercy. Freedom in this area of control can come even today. Even while we're seated here now, if you know, if we're feeling that little nudge, and oh, I'm not sure if I want to take my feet off the river bed. We can just take them off now and come into that freedom and lose control to Jesus. There's nobody better to lose control to than the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I want to quickly speak first before we go into the wonders of the river of God to check out where the river is flowing to here in this passage. And as we read, we see that the river is flowing into the Dead Sea. And wonder of wonders, as the river flows into this dead sea, we see that everything gets healed. Hallelujah. The, now, this is a factoid about the dead sea. It's, in fact, the lowest place on the planet. It's 1,292 feet below sea level, and it's a very dead body of water. A normal sea, for example, has approximately 4 to 6% mineral content. The Dead Sea has 25% mineral content. This makes it absolutely impossible for any fish or coral or any living thing to exist in it. But as we see in this vision, when this wonderful river flows into this dead body of water, everything gets healed. Everything becomes fresh. Everything will now live. A great number of fish will live in it. Everywhere the river goes, freshness will appear. The waters will become life-giving instead of it being known as a sea of death. There will be dry places on the banks just so that the fishermen can spread their nets because there will be a huge ingathering of fish of every kind. Now, you know where we're going with this, right? You have heard the saying, the sea of humanity, the sea of, huma of humanity out there. Well, my friends, all over the earth, the sea of humanity has death all over it. Sin is taking a huge toll. Substance abuse is rampant. People dying from drug overdose. Homelessness, which is a huge problem in society. Mental illness on the rise. Society itself is being ravaged. Indeed, sin is murdering humanity. And guess what? The devil is laughing. His MO is only to kill and destroy. But let me tell you today, and let me say it loudly, it's always been God's plan that the river of life flows into this dead sea of humanity. Hallelujah. And we, the people of God, need to be in the river into the very depths of God so that we can bring healing to those around us. 
look, this may seem like a fairy tale. Even to some of you that are listening today, sometimes it, it seems, I'll be honest with you, sometimes it seems like a fairy tale to me too. But I serve a God who makes the impossible possible. And he will accomplish it through a living and glorious church. A church who is flowing where the river is flowing, out of our natural depth, but, but into the very depth of God himself. This is why all this measuring is taking place, so that healing will flow into society's dead sea. Now, here's something else that is quite extraordinary in this passage. In verse 11, we read, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh and wholesome for animal life. They will be left encrusted with salt as the river subsides. Now, Jesus, of course, spoke of the need to be salty so that his flavor can be brought into the world. However, there's a vast difference in being salted with flavor and being encrusted with salt. Remember Lot's wife. She became encrusted with salt. She, in fact, became a pillar of salt. Why? Because she looked back on the city which she was being delivered from by God. Hmm. She looked back with a certain nostalgia and longing, not really wanting to leave. This sinful city had a hold on her. She liked it. You know, this can happen to us also. If we allow the river of God within us to subside, allowing ourselves to become dry and in fact encrusted with salt, the river keeps us spiritually alive and fresh. It keeps the life of Christ pulsating within us. When we allow the river to be restricted in us, we're not keeping our eyes focused on who Jesus is and what his purpose is is in this day. Listen, the river is meant to flow at an accelerated pace in us. We don't have time to look back longingly at the ways of sin or what we once were involved in. And now listen, I'm not just talking about what we may consider to be the big item things that we tend to relegate to former things in people's lives. I'm talking about things like getting cold or even worse, lukewarm in the things of God. Priorities getting messed up. Allowing maybe, to ang maybe anger to rule or judgment toward others, uh, gossip, unable to forgive, getting offended and staying offended. That's looking back. These are issues of the heart that maybe no one else can see, but it's called looking back instead of looking ahead. Why does this happen? Because there's a certain attraction. Let's face it. The person feels at home with these things. They have become familiar and well-worn into the brain. It's become an actual, believe it or not, it's become an actual pleasurable way of thinking and behaving. It's familiar. Luke 9 verse 62 says this, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things left behind is fit for the kingdom of God. Now that is a strong statement. Beloved, this cannot be a day of compromise. We are either in or out. We're either steadfast in our belief in Jesus and what the cross and his grace has accomplished for us in bringing us into freedom or not. We are either in the river or we are not. We are either hot for God or not. There are choices that have to be made. Oh, surely this is the time to start swimming in the river of life partnering with Holy Spirit, enjoying the intimacy that this brings to us. 
So let's quickly look at some of the miraculous benefits of being in the river of God. And I mean now swimming in the river, not just toe in, right? Not just ankle deep. So when we say yes to allowing the river of God, the Holy Spirit, to take us places we have never gone before, there are many, many benefits. And we just have time to share on two quickly today. Number one, the river is unstoppable. <laughs> Hallelujah. The word of God speaks very eloquently, you know, about rivers. And in, in the Garden of Eden, for example, there was a river and it was divided into four rivers. John in Revelation on the Isle of Patmos saw a river coming from the throne of God. Jesus spoke not just of a river, but rivers, rivers that would actually flow out of his people. And he is the source of this river. He himself is the river of life. You will remember the occasion when he was present at the Feast of Tabernacles. It was also known as the Feast of Ingathering or the Feast of Booths. This is when all the harvest would be brought in and the ingathering of the fruit and produce would be celebrated. It was a very happy time. On the last and most important day of the feast, the priests would, with all kinds of pomp and religious order, go down to the pool of Siloam and load up a huge gold container of water. And on this last, most important day, they would pour out the water on the steps and it would flow down. Now, Siloam was known as the waters of salvation. And history suggests that on the day of Pentecost, this is so fascinating, on the day of Pentecost, all the 3,000 that became followers went down to the pool of Siloam and were baptized there. Isn't that amazing? Waters of salvation. Friends, we too are in the waters of salvation right now. We're in Siloam, waters of salvation. We need to celebrate that. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, it was at this moment of this water pouring down at this feast of ingathering that Jesus spoke out loudly. John 7, 37 to 38. And this is what he said just at that moment. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, from his innermost being will flow continually. Rivers of living water will flow continually. Rivers of living water will flow continually. Rivers of living water. Now, the priests were incensed at his interruption. Who did he think he was? See, they were full of unbelief and powerless religion. Their eyes were blinded to the fact that these rivers would be flowing out of the true people of God. They were of the mind that they were already at the epitome of God's approval. How wrong they were. However, beginning on the day of Pentecost and all down through the ages to us now, there would be an unstoppable river flowing. Listen, even the enemy himself would never be able to stop this river. It would keep on flowing, keep on flowing from one glory to another glory to another glory. Unstoppable river. It would flow in and flow out of a people who had been uh, transformed by the power of God. See, here's one thing about a river that's different from other bodies of water. A river is always going somewhere. It's unstoppable. It has a forward direction. It has a purpose. Its purpose is to keep on going and flowing into yet another body of water. How many know this morning that this is also our purpose? The river of God has to flow in and then keep on going, flowing out of us into the sea of humanity. That's all around us. That's what this is all about. 
affecting people all around us, transforming not only us, but others, as the river within us flows out to them. Yes, this river is unstoppable. And we can make this bold declaration today when we're in the river of God, the river of life, the river of his Holy Spirit. We are not stagnant. Stagnancy does not exist in a flowing, unstoppable river. I know the thing is, I'm sorry to say that there are stagnant believers hanging around. No purpose in life other than to satisfy their own personal needs. Always complaining that life isn't fair to them. Full of self-pity, full of personal opinions. Everything absolutely must revolve around them. Stagnancy. Friends, the river is not flowing in. People who are searching for God's love are not going to receive it from stagnant believers because there's nothing there to flow out for others to receive. Everything is dammed up. What is this? It's a huge resistance to the flow of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come and remains on earth to break off resistance so that the waters can be healed, transformed, and made clean and fresh. Hallelujah. The choice is ours. We can say, no, 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 I'm quite happy with what I've got and the way I am and remain stagnant. Or I can say, oh, yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit. Flow into me. I need your cleansing. I need the freshness of the Holy Spirit. I need your healing. Here I am. Flow into me so that I can flow out to others. Then we become continually transformed by this unstoppable river because we can be filled daily because the river is always flowing. We can also be flowing continually. Every day, a new day in the river of God, being filled anew every day. Yes, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. And yes, it was a wonderful experience. However, if I haven't experienced Holy Spirit flowing into me and out of me since then, I've become stagnant. Every day, has to be a fresh filling. Hallelujah. That's when others will notice and say, wow, you have a freshness about you. What is it? Then the door opens and in we go and out we flow. This is how the church, which is his body, must be affecting the world around. There is a freshness about being in the river of life and the church needs it desperately. Let's go for it, friends. Let's go for it all, and let's make that choice today. Secondly, the river brings joy. We spoke a little of this joy last Monday in our prayer gathering and also on Zoom on Thursday. And I'm feeling, gosh, it must be a now subject. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is dependent on current circumstances. There's good circumstance days and not so good circumstance days. However, joy, that is the joy of the Lord, is not dependent on circumstances. Amen. There are people here in this house right now who are carrying heavy burdens. But you know, it's so obvious that despite what uh, they're going through, they have a deep embedded joy residing in them. Why? Because they're swimming and living in the river of life. They have made the choice to dwell in the river, which produces a deep settled joy. Now, this joy of the Lord doesn't mean we go around all the time with a fixed smile on our faces, trying to make an impression. Look, I've got joy. I've got joy. No, it's a deep-seated strength that is quite honestly supernatural. The river of God is a supernatural river. 
Now, Nehemiah, do you remember him? When he had set his mind to build the broken down wall, he experienced a whole lot of opposition. And he saw it for what it was, enemy obstruction. However, he didn't give up, and the wall got finished. When it was finished, Ezra came, Ezra came, the, the, the scribe, at the request of all the people and read the law to them. It's so interesting. We read that they came together as one man. And by the way, in front of the repaired water gate, that's very significant. And there was unity happening here. Something of a revival nature was happening here. For many hours, they listened with great attention and interest. And they began to weep because they realized how far the nation and they themselves had strayed from God's ways. It was a holy day because it was a day of turning back to the true God who had rescued them from the slavery of Egypt so long ago. Great sadness accompanied by repentance was going on. A great weeping was heard, a realization of past sins of neglect and unfaithfulness. Repentance, my friends, is a holy occurrence. But Ezra says to them, don't weep. Don't weep because the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is such a picture of the grace of God when we turn our back on sin and come joyfully back to him and back into the river of his grace, all the wonder of his grace toward us. Then we become overtaken with his great joy, hallelujah. And they went from there in joy and blessing and they were able to bless others with what they had received. They were now flowing out in blessing. And by the way, this all happened during the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. Again, extremely significant. I just love how the word of God just fits in together. Everything is like a jigsaw puzzle and it all fits together. Joy brings the strength of the Lord into us. The remarkable thing is that when we become strengthened with this joy, you know what? It's infectious and it can spread to others. I've actually seen that happen. We can bless others with the joy of the Lord that's flowing out of us. That's why it's so vital that we get into the river because there's joy there. Psalm 46 verse 4 and 5 says this, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. Now, there's no actual river in Jerusalem. So these verses are clearly not speaking of actual water. And I believe they're speaking of the river of God's glory and joy. Listen, get excited this morning. We are now the city of God's glory, individually and collectively, and we have been made glad. The church was birthed on that incredible day of Pentecost. The fire and the wind changed the landscape. And what ensued from that birth was this incredible fact that down through the generations since that day, we have become, we are now living tabernacles of his glory and joy. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, for we are now the temple of the living God. Notice he doesn't say you will one day become temples of the living God, or maybe you will be temples of the living God. No, he says, for you are now the temples of the living God. How wonderful is that? God is pouring out his glory river into his church, and this will produce great joy and gladness. <laughs> now, the church has to be able to receive it. Again, there's a choice to be made, but it's only as we dwell in the river of God's glory that the world will be able to see who Jesus is. See, the world may know of Jesus, 
but they don't know him. They are not in relationship with him. It's like I know, I know the members of the royal family. I see them on TV. I know of them. I see them on television, but I don't know them. They're not my friends. I merely know what is said of them. The church also has to know him, become personally, intimately acquainted with him. The river of glory joy has to be in residence within each believer disciple. This is the only way that the world will come to know him through us, the dwelling place of God. The world is in utter chaos. Things that people have clung to are being, as being stable and are tottering. Fear has taken hold of the hearts of men and women. For so many, hopelessness has swept in. Now is the time. It's our time. It's an opportune time for people in the sea of, of humanity to come into a wonderful salvation experience and find Jesus, the only hope of the world. And they're going to find him through the river of God that's flowing out of, out of us. This psalm we have quoted begins with, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in time of need. How the world needs to have this assurance, and we are the only ones who can extend it to them, as we said last week. The church is his vehicle. It's time for this vehicle to become amphibious and get into the river. Do you know what amphibious means? It means to be able to float. One of, one of the words that came to us from the Lord this past Monday morning said this, that he was inviting us to come and frolic with him in the river. Now, I checked out that word, and this is what it means, to move cheerfully, energetically, to have great fun. In other words, to be joyous. In the heat of the summer, our grandchildren come over to get into the backyard pool. They come in through the front door and run quickly to find their swimsuits because they're desperate to get their street clothes off and get into the water. There's joyful anticipation of what's ahead. As soon as the swimsuits are on, out they go with a couple of adults attending also, of course, and they start to frolic in the water. Loud expressions of joy. They don't stay in the shallow end either. They go to the diving board and jump off doing somersaults into the water. You know, even if the younger ones aren't yet swimming strongly, they jump into the deep end with a swim vest on. They go under the water and come up laughing, frolicking. What a picture. Oh, that we could be as little children. Do you know that the Lord wants us to get into the river with him, who is the source of the river? Indeed, as I said, he is the river. Why would we not want to be with him? Forget about just staying on the fringes because we don't like the deep end. Get in, get in, get in. Something supernatural is happening in the river. It's unstoppable glory. It's over the top joy. It's full of purposeful flowing, never stagnant. And listen, it's full of healing to the nations. Everywhere it goes, it brings healing. If the river is not in us, we cannot bring healing. However, if we are in the river, we will bring healing wherever we go. Come on. Let's dive into the deep end this morning. Now is the time. Let's become as little children full of joy and expectation of what the Lord is doing and what he's going to do. Indeed, we can frolic with him in the river. The river has been measured. The river in us is being measured. How willing are we to go into the depth of it? How willing are we to go into the depths of God himself? And this is not a scary proposition. He's calling out with arms open wide, calling us in, calling us into deeper waters. I've been seeing him in the spirit since I've been preparing this message. And let me tell you, he is full of laughter. He is the, he is the river of joy. 
And as we begin to swim in this river of God, we will experience a mighty inflow, which will result in a glorious outflow into the sea of humanity. It will flow out of him into us, into others. Listen, we have absolutely nothing to lose. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. We're going to listen to a song that I've been thinking about all week, talking about getting to deeper waters. Let's see what God's going to do this morning as we yield to him and go deeper. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Let's dive in.